0: Welcome back to another episode of Running Things Considered, the most dangerous high-velocity, high-speed podcast on the internet, where we answer all your dirty questions getting hot and sweaty on the voicemail. And we answer them good, we answer them fast. So buckle up, because it's going to be a wild ride. How how, how was that? That was really good. You like that? Yeah, actually...
1: I'm actually genuinely impressed
0: with that. Thank you, because because last week, I felt like I kind of dropped the ball in the intro, because you said, you always do it, so I thought, I, you know, yeah. and then I did it, and I wasn't confident, and I was stumbling that over was my words. That was very confident, hot and sweaty. And I mixed it up this time. Yeah, so... I brought the energy.
1: I kind of want to try one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You ready? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> if you can maybe splice it if I mess it up. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be so loud. Does that matter? Loud as it can. Break their eardrums. Break their eardrums. (laughs) Welcome back to another podcast. This is episode number 30. Coming in in the red corner, weighing 127 pounds out of Atlanta, Georgia, the greatest podcast co-host in the history of the world, Zane the Hammer Coburn. I got really lightheaded during that. That episode. was good. I was gonna do yours, but I need to take my jacket off. No, yeah, you're
0: you're, you're already getting sweaty. You Haven't even Ooh, gotten I'm to the questions yet. Hot and sweaty. I haven't gotten to the questions yet. Well, you know, I think I think we displayed a lot of talent there. I do too. And I think it's time to roll. EA Sports that hit me up. Intro. EA Sports. It's in the game. Welcome back to another episode of Running Things Considered. We got just a two-person podcast because our guest. We try to bring you the Bone Zone B Bone. and If you're a regular listener. That is a character we have, Mr. Bradley Broski, calls in and answers some great questions. So we were going to have him on the podcast, but apparently he's the busiest man alive. He works until 9 p.m. every night, so we couldn't couldn't get him on. He doesn't have a job. Yeah. He's lying. He's making it up. He's, he's, he's scared. He might be scared. He's scared. I understand. I also actually just don't think he could keep that voice up for 45 minutes. <laughs> he, he honestly did say when I was messaging him. He was like, yo, do I have to be in character or not? <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay, <laughs> no, it was actually today on a run. Uh, this is my second day back from taking a great two-week break. I had to play a lot of video games, a lot of skateboarding, a lot of drinking beers. I'm into IPAs now. Yeah, so I, spilled, 23. I spilled one right before I started. <laughs> <I> know. To... <laughs> Trying to plug it in, just knocked it all over the table. Anyways, um, so I'm getting back from my break, just a four-mile run. And so I do this route, go by the stadium, and uh, uh, th- there's another runner I see on the corner, and he, he kind of crosses a little bit ahead of me, so he's behind me going to the uh, – going around this corner. All I have to understand is he's behind me. That might have been confusing. But... And so, I'm going, I'm going, and naturally, two dudes, you know, he picks it up. He's trying to pass me.
1: I had somebody do that on Sunday, dude. And yeah, I'm, like, no.
0: I'm like, no. I'm like, no. You don't know who I am. <laughs> and so, I start picking it up. Okay? But... I can still hear his footsteps getting a little louder, getting a little louder, and I—I I didn't eye this guy up and down, yeah. and so I'm like, okay, okay, but I told myself I'm not going to be a, an idiot, you know. Yeah. I'm a six fifteen pace max, yeah. and it's a four mile run, and I haven't run in two weeks, so that's even too fast. Yeah. So I'm going, and I pro- I'm probably hitting like six fifteen. His footsteps keep getting faster, keep getting faster. And when I say this guy blows by me, he blows really? by me, and you can just—and. I Just picture in your mind this guy. He has the whatever, the $90 long sleeve Nike dry fit shirt, freaking $110 (laughs) Nike tights on. He has Pegasus on. He's just full dripped out in Nike. And he's like, he might have been, dude. He just blows my mind, looking smooth as ever. And my confidence just shriveled.
1: Did he go for up the whole hill? Yeah.
0: He made it. He, he, he passed me. He was gone. He was looking legit. I was like, this is some hobby jogger, and this guy could have been an L.A. Kipcho game, honestly. <laughs> 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 that happened to be on Sunday.
1: I was running with uh, two guys who went to the same high school, uh, Cameron Thornton and Robbie Keough. Cameron Thornton, in 2011, ran the greatest 800 high school race I've ever seen. I was sitting on the infield. Uh, if you have time to look it up, it's 2011 GHSA 800 meters. It was between... Cameron Thornton and O'Neal Wandless. Cameron was a junior at the time. O'Neal was a senior. They went out super hard. They both ran under 150, which was the top two fastest times in the country that year. Um, And they were separated by .005 uh, at the finish, and nobody knew who won for about an hour. Um, And it was – you could see me in the back, actually. I'm like – I put my hands on my head, and I'm like, what the (laughs) hell is going on? These kids just ran 149. Cameron was a junior. Um, and then Robbie ended up running 405 and, uh, making it to NCAA's freshman year at University of Virginia. So, uh, the DMR ran 1200. So that was good. Those guys have not been running much, but I'm um, glad to see that they are back running. But I was like 11 miles in and this guy was like on my tail and I was like, I'm kind of tired. Like there was a, like a lot of people on the belt line. I had my like little run gum neck covering, face covering, and I was so sweaty. I was like sucking in my own sweat. <laughs> and, um... Basically, this guy like would not get off my tail, and I was running five. I ran f- like five oh seven or something for my last mile. Really? Yeah. That's because good. I was like, you
0: couldn't let it happen. See, yeah. but then
1: I dropped him like, and I was just like, I'm not. I can't like immediately slow down because there's like a lot of people watching. Really? I was like, I can't. I just no. Have to finish it, this it's out. it's my politics. It's it's politics. You get a bunch
0: of dudes on the trails, yeah. you know. <laughs>
1: I was like I, I had seen this guy and I he he looked like mus like super muscly and, and, and like that's sweat. the people you can't let pass you, yeah, the guys at like the gym bros. Yeah. He know. also had like sweat shorts on and I'm like if uh, this dude passed me, I'm quitting. Like this is <laughs> this is it. So he, he didn't pass me. He never even got really that close. But I I'm like hyper competitive when it comes to like people running ahead of me because I don't want people to think that that person is faster than me. Oh, I know. So I never... You, get, you, gotta, you gotta
0: let him know who's boss on the trails. Absolutely. And, I, and who's boss? Me. Your boss. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so whoever that dude in Nike stuff, come on and race us,
1: buddy. I, guarantee I don't you know, dude. I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> after
0: that, because he, he was gone after that.
1: Um, but if somebody does want to come race us, uh, Avery and I will be attached at the hip. <laughs> uh, In the legs. Maybe, maybe tomorrow or today, whenever this podcast comes out. Well, we don't actually know exactly when we're going to do it. Um, the weather but, what, what is are we crazy. Doing? We're doing a three legged mile world record attempt. I contacted Guinness Book of World Records yesterday um, to get them to come out. The official world record is six minutes and 52 seconds. That is some bull
0: spit. That's some bull spit.
1: The handcuffed world record was 647. I ran 4:36 jogging in this maw. so D- in in alpha flies, no or in next percent, next percent, not even in alpha flies. Okay. I would have run 4:06. You probably would have. My <laughs> bad. <laughs> um, but uh, I actually thought about because my my leg isn't feeling that great. I told you I was gonna wear the Adidas speed suit and the Adidas shoes. I think I'm going to wear the Alpha of Flies. Really? And also because I thought about that is because you're so much taller than me. It's going to help. Yeah, that would actually it. But help. you may have
0: so much bounce that you just like kind of throw my but legs But you're forth. bouncy. I am bouncy. You're right. So, I, I have the natural 4% on. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> um, so that,
1: that may help. So the world record is uh, 652, like I said. And we've kind of been going back and forth on what we think is legit. Right. Um, and,
0: and, and also like, you know... We're, neither of us are anywhere near peak shape, Mm-mm. but that's just how confident we are, is we're ready to just to show anytime. up. Anytime. 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 Yeah. Connect ourselves to the legs, and we're thinking of doing it on a track, but we feel like that would be hard. It'd be good for the spectators, yeah. but like, going around those turns, I feel like...
1: Well, considering our spectator's probably going to be one person named Jeremy. Jeremy. <laughs> <was> like, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh It may be uh, not... We don't really care about spectators, but the weather is changing so much that it was like a, you know, it's been like a 97, hundred degrees. And then on Friday morning, it's supposed to be 45.
0: That's wild. So, um, I'm sure wherever, you know, anybody not from the South is like laughing at us like, Oh,
1: 45. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be in New York from October 15th to October 20th. Hopefully it's not going to be too, too cold. If anybody around wants to hit me up, highlight your boy, we can go for a little bit of a jog along the East River and Red Hook and Prospect Park and Central Park. I'm familiar. So, uh, yeah, let me know. I tried to get Avery to sign up for this uh, Southwest Airlines promo, which basically, if you bought a ticket before September 25th and flew by November 14th, you get free buddy passes for two months. Uh, Avery did not do it. Um, so, I will be a traveling man, and... I bought a book called "Epic Runs of the World" last week, and I've been re—I'm trying to read instead of having my face on a screen before I go to sleep. Um, and I read a lot of this book last night. It's something that I've kind of wanted to do forever. It's basically just like drive around and find like these super cool runs. This has done a fantastic job. Uh, it's very nice and it was very fucking expensive. I, I'm looking, I'm looking at this
0: book right now and just to give you guys a picture of the epic runs in the world, the cover is someone running on the Great Wall of China. So, so that's Great a box Wall you got to pick off.
1: has a marathon. Really? Yeah, it's in here. I think oh my I, gosh. I looked up. So, and then you can not. Oh my this. god,
0: these people are, are walking through ancient Egypt tombs. Yeah,
1: so I have been doing a lot oh my of gosh. documentary watching. The Athens Marathon. These people are running. Yeah, see, that's it's in Europe. Legit. You may want to go to Asia. I see it says at the bottom. Anyways, um, I've been doing a lot of uh, watching of ultra marathon documentaries and things like that. Um, and, anyways. Uh, get off track but I talked to Jeremy about wanting to potentially run some sort of ultra marathon or something like that I have a lot of fast twitch muscle fibers and that doesn't really count and that sort of stuff so it would definitely be different but uh, the only reason I think it would be cool is to have like a little crew um, who would just like kind of be there along the course to run to pace to do whatever Wait, and it, then you just the like to bar- I- we- well, not bar- no. I'm not going to do the Barkley okay. like, that is like the craziest thing in the world but, like, some of the stuff I've been watching is just, like, really beautiful. Like, it's just, like, you're just, you're out there. You're in the middle of freaking nowhere in the mountains. Uh, and that's kind of my jam. Um, Except for 100 miles. So if, Well, it doesn't have to be 100 miles. I mean, I could do... Is like, ultra-marathon just more than... I think it's probably just more than a marathon. Okay. I'm not sure, but I thought about, like, I could probably do a 35 or just start. Yeah, yeah. Because like I feel like I know 100 is pretty, pretty silly. Oh, yeah. I mean, pretty silly I definitely stuff. could not do that. But like starting at like thirty five or forty, I think I could probably do that. Um, but see, my thing is like if I wouldn't win, I'd be like incredibly upset. So like, dude, but there's <laughs> some legit. I know there I mean, Jim Wamsley and like the, the Canyon Cowboys. I, they, the Canyon Cowboys. Yeah. Were they. There's, like, a, a group a of, gang? like, hoka dudes that live in the canyons, and they just run. Really? And they do all these... Oh yeah, I was just watching something earlier. The Canyon right all boys. trying to qualify for Western States a few years ago. Western States is a 100-mile race. Pretty crazy race. Um, wow. But either way, I think it's cool. Jim moms is obviously just, like, a really good runner, too. Um, but I know a lot of people don't like him on Let's Run. Um, well, I mean, who, who does Let's Run like? Um, that's a good question, actually. That is a good question. I think they like the Ingebrigtsens. They like the Ingebrigtsens. The, the, they like Kipchoge. They like Kipchoge. Okay. And that's, that's it. about it. That's about it. And, <laughs> and any American distance runner. Because they like the American. White bias. Yeah, it's true. Um, I don't know if they like all American distance runners, but I definitely like them. Because
0: the, like, the, the names that come to mind, but I, they probably like all the Bowerman people. Yeah. They like Bowerman. I think there's. But I feel like there's no way they like Craig Angles. Mm hmm. No way. There's no way they like uh, centrowitz. Probably not. Um, and I think the list goes. I mean, maybe, maybe they probably like. Clayton. No, they don't like Clayton Murphy. No way. No. And they probably don't like Donovan Brazier. I have It's hard seen, not to I've like
1: him. Seen, I know. I haven't seen a ton of bad things about him. The only thing I've seen is like one time years and years ago, he ran like this time trial in like December in like a one thirteen or fourteen six hundred. True. like, He's peaking way too early. And then he ran one forty three. Oh. Because he didn't peak way too early. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyways, he was, he was also
0: made in the lab.
1: He was definitely made in the lab. Yeah. The guy Cameron Thornton I was running with this weekend got to uh, got to be on the same team at Texas A&M with Donovan there for a little bit. Before big B Clemson. Um, but Avery and I were sort of talking about how we always hate on people who listen to music while they run, but we yeah. are now <laughs> realizing that maybe you guys are listening to this while you run. No big okay. deal. Actually, Cameron. My friend was running with a running watch and then earpods with no phone, which I thought was something that I could maybe get. He into was more. what? He had just like a Apple Watch. and yeah. Had the earpods and there was no phone.
0: But the the watch synced to the ear earbuds. Yeah.
1: So my invention. Oh well, yeah, that's
0: how. That's how. I mean.
1: I think a lot of. That's people, pretty cool. Yeah, but see, my my invention was just earpods that you. What the left one is used for. I I know I've talked to you about this. Yeah, have yeah.
0: I? No, no. I'm, I'm, you have, but like in my mind, I'm like that's definitely already been a thing. That sounds. But like, it's
1: such a good freaking idea. I know,
0: but that's. It, it sounds very like like no offense, like I feel like Apple would have to do it, or else it's or else it's Wish. Oh, I mean, I understand. You know, I get it. Yeah, either, unless I started like my own like it's a Google running
1: guru company or something. But I feel like still, I, I mean, guru something
0: business. that cool sounds very like get from Alibaba. Sure. You know? No, I
1: understand, but like if you. I don't, we don't talk about like pricing and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, but my thought was you have headphones. The left one is dedicated to volume, so you tap it twice, the volume goes up. You tap it once, the volume comes down. And then the the um, the right earphone is dedicated to switching songs, which is you can go tap it, you know, maybe twice. Okay. Okay. Here's here's a question. Yeah.
0: How do you upload music to it?
1: so that's a good I mean you could Bluetooth I already knew the answer to that I was was, was trying to test how much you you figured this out yeah I haven't thought about I mean but but think of it as an iPod shuffle for your ears an iPod shuffle for your ears no screen there's just music so you don't have to have any bulky crap you can still use your and maybe
0: uh, and maybe you can you can listen to Running Things Considered on that maybe because I know a lot of you are are running right now somebody if you're running right now I just want to let you know good job the pace is good you're looking good and I'm proud of you. Yeah. Just put your phone down. No, see, put like, your phone Andre's down, just texting
1: me. Chris Chavez just texted me. Dude, we're on a
0: podcast right now. I put know. it down. Jeez. I, was just, I had a lot of texts. Oh, my gosh. Um, this podcast is falling apart. No, right? it's not. Actually, I this has been
1: going pretty well. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's plug the number. 646 780 What does the number do, Zane? That means you can call in, you can text, you can ask us any question. It doesn't have to be running related, but you know, maybe it could be running related. It can be dating related. It can be food related. It can be wine tasting related. IP wine related tasting?
0: Related. Yeah, I'm a I I, I, uh, if I told you about the time I went to uh, Jacksonville for the Jacksonville Symphony, and before they do, they uh, you know you, you get into the business right of where you're just sitting down, watching no phones, just getting music played towards you. There's uh, music wine matching. Where interesting this well, where this this absolutely you know just wine expert and classical music, music expert, I think that has a lot in common. Um, yeah, like he, you, you would drink a wine and he would tell you a story about how like drinking the wine, how you should feel and he would play music to it. And the, the best part about this was looking around the room just to see how emotional people got. Dude, you yeah. know he was like, and this in the story, You're at the salty shore, and he comes back from home to see his wife has left him, and you should feel that in your drink, and people would just take a sip, and you see a tear come out of their eye.
1: That's great. I I was going to say I have two things to talk about, but now I can only think of one. One is... There aren't many master sommeliers in the entire world. I think there's only s- what? Master Somalia. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's only 64 of them. One of which, his name is Bobby Stuckey. Bobby Stuckey. He owns two or three restaurants in Boulder and Denver, and he funds a lot of distance running things. And he is a great dude. That's awesome. And when I went shout to out to Boulder <laughs> just a few months ago, I don't even know when that was. A month and a half ago. Bobby was there every time to hook, uh, hook us up for the Tinman guys. So um, Shout out. Bobby's a good dude, and he ran 20 miles a day before on like this thing called like, Gold Hill, which I heard is the hardest run in Boulder. Wow. Wow. Um, and he's like older. I was like, Yeah, I live in Atlanta. He's like, Oh, I just had dinner with Arthur Blank. <laughs>
0: you just like you say, Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's like one of the most expensive restaurants. Yeah, yeah. And, and for those of you who don't know who Arthur Blank is, he was one of the founders of Home Depot and yeah. he owns the Falcons. Yeah, and a lot of other things. And Atlanta, basically. Well, it's funny
1: because I actually, this ties in exactly to what I've been doing lately. I've been watching a show called Succession on HBO. It's basically about a family who's very similar to that, just in, like, f- being in a billionaire family, but it's a... I mean, it's... it's Something a, we, we can amazing. all relate to. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, it was a very long intro, but I felt like it was good. We got a lot yeah. of information out. We, yeah, and the reason was, we, we had, had a, a
0: long thing. intro is this episode is going to be a little, a little different. And you're probably like, wow, you, you, you lead us up this long just to tell us this episode's different. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of are. So, so we, 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 I think we have, we have one question we want to answer. Just because maybe of one or two, one or two questions we answered that that were from the from the podcast last week that were yeah. directed to Kyle. To Kyle, we Kyle We had like River.
1: fourteen questions come in, like maybe five. Yeah, five, after five the minutes after podcast. we recorded the podcast, yeah. so
0: we feel bad. So we're gonna throw you guys a bone. I'm gonna pr- pretend to be Kyle Merber. I'll <laughs> okay. put my my hocus on, yeah. lock in, and lock in. Uh, try and answer the questions as he would.
1: But today I have been doing a lot of what do that
0: questions? You? Oh, I thought we were going to do those after. Let's see what we're talking about. Oh, sure. Okay. Well, Avery, confuse the hell out of me. My bad. We're really good at communication. Yeah. So, <laughs>
1: um, did you want to, you want to do the voicemail? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Hey, this is a question for Kyle. That's me. My name is Molly and I'm from Pacific Grove, California. I'm wondering if you have any advice for runners at sea level who can't get much vert and certainly no altitude change. What can I do to keep pushing my
0: workouts? Thanks. question. Um, so the question was, um, since uh, you're at sea level and you can't really access altitude, but you want to know how to get that extra training benefit, and I, honest to God, I have no idea what Kyle would say. I have no idea. <laughs> um, that's, that's a really specific question, but I have um, my feelings about it are that you know, there, there, there's a lot of people who try and overcomplicate running, you know. Like, they're at sea level, so they get altitude t- tents and they sleep in it, you know. Or they try and say, oh, I want to make this a little extra harder. I'm going to wear a shirt while running to make it extra hot. Sure. Um, all that stuff, sure, it makes you tougher. Okay, the altitude tent, I can't really speak on that. I don't think there's been much science behind it. I think it's kind of trendy.
1: You also have to spend 16 hours a day in it. Yeah,
0: so so, so I, 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 just, I wouldn't think too much about it and trust that there are so many really, really good runners that come out of the – absolute un-optimum, the, the not-
1: The non-optimal. The
0: not that's the word I'm looking for. The non-optimal running conditions. Um, the example that comes to my head is all the great runners that come from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Which is-
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think it's a little different. What do you mean? They all come from Kenya. Well, not all of them. They're, they're, they have some
0: good good milers that are from the States. Who? forget his name,
1: but... Jacopo Lobby is not from here. Robbie Farms Rose is from England. Okay, well, they train there. And okay, that's the point. That's sure. the
0: point okay. I'm getting to. Okay, well, <laughs> let's find a different example. Okay. I, I know
1: too much. I know too much.
0: I know, I know. Obviously, the the... Um, Gil the thrill. Gilbert Keegan isn't from America, okay. Obviously, yeah.
1: but I guess he has to train here. So he has to train
0: yeah. here, and he runs very, very fast. Yeah, and and it's very hot here. It's very hot here in Tuscaloosa. It's even worse. I don't, I don't know how great of a place they have to run. But the point that I'm making is, is that uh, people a lot of time overcomplicate running, and I think you can really do a good job training just with what you have, no matter what it is, as long as you just understand the fundamentals, which is in this sport, super simple. You know, y- y- you have. A long runs important you know mileage is important and you know speed's important through the year I, i'm saying this on like the highest level possible i'm not trying to get into weeds just to drive in my point that a lot of people overthink running and i think you can be really successful with just what you have as long as you just trust what you're doing and do it
1: i've only been out to do twice and that was for not a long enough period for it to ever make any sort of difference except maybe the last time i was like getting close but, um, yeah, never once run or trained at altitude. We've had some really, really, really good 800-meter and miler and all those sort of things come out of Atlanta. And I was talking to a guy named Frank, who hangs around the track a lot. Do you know Frank? Yeah. Yeah. Frank knows more about track and field history and cross-country and distance-running history than anybody I've ever met in my entire life. I saw him on Sunday. Shout-out to Frank. Um, and he was just talking about, like, you, you, you guys have run fast, and the Atlanta Track Club has been able to do like a a, a good job, um, even though like it's it's really hot in the summer, and there's and very really humid, very few,
0: few soft surfaces to most run most on,
1: no soft surfaces to run on. So I mean like it, it's it's incredible, it, it's very very doable. Um, just making sure that you're just doing the right things, like Avery said, overcomplicating running is very easy to do like if you get in the weeds in the science and the math and the numbers it like sometimes it's like really hard to comprehend but if you just basically like follow a weekly structure plan which like I've had so many people be like can you write me a, a plan just like people I know through high school or whatever like can you write me like a weekly plan I'm like yeah I can get like 20 seconds yeah because it should be basically the same for everybody um, just like basically mm-hmm. being consistent running your mileage and then understanding what type of event you're running if you're running quality versus quantity and you should be good to go yeah um, and
0: and and I'm not saying all of like the the trendy stuff you know doesn't work like I'm sure there's tons of really really good science that goes behind let's say something that I've noticed recently is I guess, like, BCAAs right after a run, okay? I mean, there's there's no way Eilid Kipchoge, you know, once he finishes run, hits his timer, waits 15 minutes, yeah. and has, you know, whatever serving, 8, eight grams of BCAAs. Yeah. Um, and same with, like, uh, you know, a, a lot of those powders. I'm not saying they don't work, whatever. I'm just saying if, if you focus too much on that, you're kind of missing the
1: point. Yeah, I mean, there's also just, like, a lot of research and data and just, like, writing and literature about certain... Um, Training philosophies like Lydiard or Macmillan or a guy like Tom Schwartz with Tinman who you know talks about you know critical velocity and all that sort of stuff. So I mean, there's like things out there you can just like read, and I think that stuff is like super interesting. Also, if you can just like work remotely, go and live in Boulder for a month, and then you're good. Um,
0: for sure. And so and so yeah, I think we over answered your question plenty, but uh, now it's, it's, something, it's something I think about. And for the next part of this podcast, we're going to be going into a new section. We've never done a Running Things Considered before ever. This is going to be the history section of the podcast where we find some track and field history that we really like. We just want to share it with you guys because, I mean, you know, track and field history isn't talked about a lot, and even sports history in general. So I hope you guys enjoy this next part. Let's do it.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, Avery and I were like kind of just, Avery chose this guy first. Um, Jim Thorpe, who I think is a... I mean one of the greatest athletes in the history of the world in 2000 he was voted the the uh, century's greatest athlete over Wayne Gretzky and Michael Jordan and all of these other like insane
0: athletes um, but and also I feel like he's a guy that a lot of people don't know of because he was in his peak in like 1910 yeah like 19 really yeah
1: 1912 I think 1912 was his peak so yeah and he's like kind of just like, if track was obviously around and the thing, but like the events that he were doing was doing and like the, the amount of sports and things he was doing, it was kind of just like a lot. And so maybe not a lot of people have heard about everything that he's done. They may have just heard about like maybe his track or football or baseball or anything like that. Um, so
0: without further ado, let' let's dive in. Let's dive into in. the history of Jim Thorpe, one yeah. of America's greatest athletes. So Jim, Mr. Jim
1: Thorpe was born May 22nd 1887 near Prague Oklahoma and what I learned is he was he's a Native American his dad is Irish his mom is Native American um, and he was sort of born on, a, on an Indian reservation so the whereabouts and uh, date of his birth are kind of argued over some people say he was born a year later on a different day but for all intents and purposes. He was born May twenty second, 1887. Um, like I said, his mom was uh, of Native American descent, um, of the Saxon Fox tribe. So they uh, initially um, were from Lake Huron and Lake Michigan, um, but kind of in the Trail of Tears and all those sort of things, were forcibly relocated to Oklahoma in the 1870s. Um, Jim started school in Stroud, Oklahoma, but... He had a twin brother named Charlie, but who that, I mean, basically that year passed away from pneumonia. Um, And so, throughout like a tumultuous next quite a while, um, he was sent to school in Kansas. um, And then his mom died, so he dropped out of school again before he started working on a ranch when he was like 12 or 13. Eventually, ending up um, in Pennsylvania at a school uh, for Native Americans that ended up being like one of the most prolific powerhouses for football and track and just sports
0: in general um so and, and, and one point i want to make is you know i i, I know anything like native american you're like oh like that's so cool um you know that's such a you know an, an interesting past but um one thing i feel like a lot of people don't realize is just i, I know you mentioned like, like the trail of tears tears being a native american is hard but like it's it's rough yeah, it's Native American. Very, very a rough heritage to come from.
1: Absolutely. They have uh, definitely not had it easy at all. Indian and reservations. Chilton now. Absolutely. They have Indian not reservations. Not figured it out. Are, they kind of have their own economies. Sometimes they have their own money. There's a lot of drug problems and all that. Right. I mean, not saying you can't do well on, a, on an Indian reservation, but, it's, but the odds but it, are against you. The odds are definitely against you. So. Um, yeah, and also just kind of being around in this, like, Great Depression, World War I era is probably not the easiest thing to, to begin with. And then also being Native American on top of that probably didn't help. Um, so his football coach um, at the school in Pennsylvania, well, his, his name is Pop Warner, who basically pioneered uh, modern football. So, like, and then also, like, when you hear kids at Pop Warner League, I mean, he is, like, the face of modern football. He – all these, like, techniques – Uh, He also was the track coach and the baseball coach and all these sort of things. He was inducted into the National Football Hall of Fame and the Football Hall of Fame and all these things. Um, But while he was there, again, he had quite a tumultuous uh, upbringing. His father died from gangrene uh, during a hunting accident. So Jim actually dropped out of school for like a third or fourth time before he finally came back and finished out. Um, And then he attended Carlisle college, um, I think in like 1907, Um, but the first time that he was kind of introduced to to real track and field, or or even when like his uh, stats were sort of uh, started to be recorded, he was just uh, walking past the track and field practice um, and went up to like the high jump pit where the the track team was practicing in just straight street clothes and beat everybody in the high jump. He high jumped 5'9". He ended up high jumping 6'5". By the end of his career. Um, But I think it's just, like, a testament to his, just, like, overall athletic ability. And what I thought was pretty crazy is, while he was in school, he he competed in baseball, lacrosse, and ballroom dancing, and he was the national ballroom dancing champion in 1912. That's an athlete. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, so I didn't even know that was a championship. It may not be anymore,
0: but I mean, like, that's... That's I, a lot of things to I, juggle. I, I just can't imagine I know, like Ashton Eaton being like, oh, cool Olympics, all right, I got a dip. I got the ballroom world, ballroom dancing national championship. Yeah, and That's I mean, it. not only was he
1: juggling just like 500,000 sports, but he also was playing at so many different positions while he was playing football or baseball or basketball, and then a lot of the times when he was at track meets, he would be the only person to go for the track team, and then basically he would win the whole entire meet just by himself. Um So he basically, in like 1911, um, people started to kind of realize who he was in football. He played running back, DB, place kicker, and punter, and he led them to an 11-1 season. He scored 27 touchdowns and rushed for almost 2,000 yards. And they don't even have records of two of the games, so he probably rushed for a lot more than that. And he won, I believe he won the national championship for them. He punted, I mean it was super windy, but he supposedly punted... Uh, a 95-yard punt that kind of, like, stuck the other team on the five-yard lines. It was like, the game's over. That's just saying. Pretty crazy. Um, he actually played against President Eisenhower. Um, I think President do not quote me on this, but I think he was at Army when they played in 1912 when, they, when Carlisle beat Army. Um, and he said he never practiced a day in his life, and he could do anything better than any other football player I ever saw. Uh, like, and, and that's
0: something you don't really... I've never really heard that
1: before about anybody. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, like, I didn't know President Eisenhower played football for Army. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just... I mean, that that's cool. I mean, it, it, you know, when I read that, I was like, holy crap. I, I initially started to write this just thinking that this was after his passing and Eisenhower had talked about it, but it said, when he played against him. That's like, insane. Holy crap. That's pretty wild. Um, so, in 1912, that's when he started to sort of focus on... Uh, the Olympics, um, and in that Olympic Games, he competed in the pentathlon and the decathlon, the high jump and the long jump, so the pentathlon decathlon on their own, and then um, he also competed in two individual events, the high jump and the long jump, so the pentathlon at the time was a long jump, javelin, 200, it said 200 meter dash, but they probably meant 200, 220 uh, yards,
0: and then discus in the 1500, Um and also I, I wanted just to picture you guys so the high jump then is not what the high jump is now Yeah. The, it, so you know obviously you have the bar that hasn't changed but the mat wasn't there, there was it no was mat. just sand and yeah. the or was no sawdust it was sawdust yeah, yeah. and the, the the Fosbury flop you you, you imagine now uh, the way everyone high jumps yeah. it doesn't exist most of the time you would scissor, scissor over. kick it yeah scissor kick that so we say 6-5 jump scissor kicking
1: this <laughs> guy's insane this guy's insane yeah
0: this guy's also, he's like a big dude.
1: Um, either way, he took gold in the pentathlon. He won four out of the five events, and that day qualified for the high jump final. He placed fourth in that, and then later, a few days later, he placed seventh in the long jump. And um, he ended up winning the decathlon as well. But that ended up being his only decathlon of his entire career. And um, what I learned was that penta i mean that decathlon—was like a, the points scored were a little different. Um, you not only got points on like your performance like you do now so let's say you run 408 for 1500 that gives you a certain amount of points but this one was you got a certain amount of points for your performance and also how you um, like how you ranked so like you got points double so this number seems crazy so at the time he set an Olympic record of 8,413 points which stood for almost 20 years
0: um, and and this is the same year that he went 11 and one in football. Yeah, so I mean, it's this, this wasn't you know a, a calculated thing. It was all. just like, "Yo, no. what up? I'm out here in the Olympics. Yeah. I'm gonna break some records. Yeah. Or whatever. I'm gonna just go nuts." And so with I mean, in that whole thing, obviously, like Eisenhower
1: said, he didn't practice very much. I don't think you have time to practice when you're also playing like a full time football season and winning a ballroom dancing national championship. <laughs> yeah.
0: The also ball- did that year. <laughs> well, don't win that There's technique in ballroom dancing. Yeah. Oh, I don't know definitely. anything about yeah. it. Footwork. But there's a lot of footwork. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he, there was like a
1: local favorite. His name is Hugo Weinslaughter. He beat the crap out of him. I think it was like by 688 points or something, which, and that was for second. Um, which in the decathlon, 688 points is like basically an entire event. Um, <laughs> And pr- people have probably heard this part of the story, but like right before the decathlon started, somebody stole his shoes. Which subsequently, he found a mismatched pair of shoes in the freaking trash can, and he won the decathlon in mismatched track spikes. I don't know if y'all have seen the
0: track spikes. I, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, you didn't know that. No. Yeah. Somebody uh, so stole you his you said like you guys probably know this, and I didn't even know it. Oh, that's <laughs> and right. I brought up. Yeah, it. he.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, he like found them in the trash, and that's what he won the gold in. Um, and so... This is made up. I've decided. Yeah. This is insane. <laughs> so, in that Olympics, um, he won 8 out of the 15 events. Um, obviously, he was huge back in the United States. People, like, didn't really know what to do about it. Um, but the AAU, which kind of screwed a lot of people, even up until, like, Prefontaine's time, um, in 1913, stripped Jim Thorpe of all of his medals, uh, because he briefly played um professional baseball in nineteen oh nine to nineteen ten. He was earning two dollars a game. So so imagine
0: that. You're you're Jim Thorpe, you're the best athlete ever, but you're still an amateur, okay? Mm-hmm. You you don't really do much. You know, you don't be professional. You're destroying it on the football field, destroying it in ballroom dancing, <laughs> and uh, but you're not getting paid. Um, and so in the same year you're at the peak, you say, I'm not gonna lose my amateurism to go to the Olympics and then Right after you win, you win gold medal. The year after, someone taps your shoulder and says, oh, hey, remember when two years ago when you were a little kid playing (laughs) junior baseball and he gave you $2? Yeah. And he was like, oh, my God. Yeah. so they they Gold medal, gone.
1: Yeah. So they stripped all of his stuff, um, both of his gold medals because he won the pentathlon as well. Um, But basically, they deemed him a professional athlete at the time. Even though what was super common uh, like around that era was like college football players and baseball players and just athletes in general, if they wanted to play like professionally, they would go do so in the summer, but go under an alias; so they wouldn't be caught. Which a million people did. That's true. That's
0: uh, I, I know. Will Chamberlain was yeah. Of that.
1: Um, and Thorpe just didn't do that because he. I mean, he wrote like a letter to the AAU. He said, "Hey, I'm just like a young Indian schoolboy. I like literally had no idea that was a thing. So if you could please like reinstate my medals, that would be fantastic." They did not, um, but what was a lot different about this declaration of like amateurism or professionalism was usually at the time, um, if you wanted to protest, it would have to be 30 days or within 30 days of that event ending, and this was like well over six months after the games. So um, at the time in World War I, you can assume that there was a lot of like racial tendencies happening. Um, and since Jim was uh, a Native American, they probably didn't think too highly of him, and were very quick to strip all of his titles.
0: Um, and, and and it was it was noted by I guess his friends and family that after this happened, after he got his medals stripped, there was kind of like like a, a different tone about him. He wasn't it, it kind of changed him a little bit. He was kind of never 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 the same athlete. Um, yeah, he's he's. I mean, obviously, he was still one of the best, but. Um, He definitely like it towards the end of his life.
1: Specifically, um, he kind of like got into alcoholism and all those sort of things. But in uh, 1913, he started his professional baseball career, which is like crazy to think of somebody like winning the gold medal in track twice, uh, being like just an amazing football player, and also then just playing professional baseball. Um, he bounced around the league for I think it was like seven years or something like that, um, but he did win a world championship in 1913. So literally that year, just one, he like just went pro. So what they were saying was like on the flip side of it, kind of being shitty that he got stripped of his amateurism. He, he was immediately reached out to by like professional contract offers. Um, he played for the the Boston Braves. Shout out, Shout out Brace. Shout um, out Brace. Before he retired, he bounced around in the minors for quite a while playing for the Toledo Mud Hens, I remember. I just like a lot of the... Uh, the Toledo the mud, mud Hens? The Mud Hens. Mud Hens, my bad. Uh, so, and uh, at the time too, like the the White Sox, they went on like this world tour where he was like a crazy celebrity and they played in front of the king and the pope and were playing in front of 20,000 people, um, which is pretty cool. That stuff doesn't like really happen anymore. But what a cool stat to come out, of like all of that was he was the the last person to compete in the Olympics and the major leagues, uh obviously in the Olympics in a non-baseball sport, um, up until just this year. So there's a guy named Eddie Alvarez who plays with the Miami uh Marlins who uh won the silver medal in twenty fourteen in Sochi in the five thousand meter relay in speed skating was a world champion in two thousand nine. So that is like, a, like I, was, I was like, holy crap. like I had
0: no idea. This like, football <laughs> player was like a speed skater. That means you could probably run. And, and speed skating, that's like that's a sport just like track. You got people dedicated their lives to it. I know.
1: It's like it, – it's crazy that like, those don't overlap at all. I mean I think maybe like baseball and football may overlap with like the muscles that you would need to do so. But like I speed skating, I don't know. But like it makes yeah. a little more sense, like Bo Jackson thing. Right. But like speed skating, and baseball, and like you, not only are you that good to be in the majors in baseball, but you're also the freaking world champion, or junior world champion in speed skating, and then you mm-hmm. get a freaking silver medal at the world. I mean, at the Olympic Games. Like that's pretty. That's pretty wild. Um. So like after like 1920 or 1922, he started to play professional football. Um, which in a league which eventually turned out to be the NFL. While he was playing, um, he was also the president of the APFA, which which turned into being the NFL. And at the time he was playing for Canton, and he was making two hundred fifty dollars a game, which in this money is like over six and a half thousand dollars a game, which was enormous. And I think it said like when he was playing for them, their their usual attendance was like. 1000 and when he started playing, it was like eight to 10000 Wow. So, I mean, like, the ticket sales were up. He's just, like, a big name. He was also, like, really good at football, so it was, like, also a plus. He played professional football, too. He was 40 freaking one years old, and then after that ended up playing professional basketball for, like, a traveling Indian Native American League. Um, not a ton known about that, but um, either way... Like, kind of after professional football ended, um, the Great Depression hit, so kind of everybody was kind of screwed, more or less, um, but he did a lot of work, um, as a movie extra, so... Oh, I guess, really? Yeah, so there was, he, he was like, he played like Indian Chiefs and all these sort of things, um, kind of stereotypical, like, pigeonhole roles, but, uh, that's how he made his money through the Great Depression, Um, and then there was like a biopic on him where he supposedly made like a little bit of money. At first they said nobody paid him and then he ended up getting like, not a ton, but like enough to get by. Um, and just like basically up until like 30 or 40 years ago, they never reinstated his medals. Um, the AAU didn't. Um, but in 1982 they were finally given back to him, but he wasn't named the gold medals. He was named the co-champion. Um, which is ridiculous because he won by almost 700 points. But <laughs> what I learned is they're making a new movie about him. Um, and in July they started a petition, um, July of 2020 of this year, uh, to reinstate him as the actual Olympic champion in 1948. And, and, and we didn't know this, but I, I guess know.
0: like the highlight of Jim Thorpe in this episode, we were kind of foretelling that they're making. Maybe you already filmed a movie about him. Yeah. Which is coming cool. out, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So, Jim Thorpe is a really cool dude.
1: Well, that, there's this one part too, which is when he died. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> so, when he did die, his third wife, just like fully unbeknownst to anybody, oh, sold yeah. his body uh, to, I don't know how to really say it, but it's Mouch Chunk, Pennsylvania. Well, that's what it was called at the time, who was looking for any sort of like business opportunities or attractions or anything to get kind of revenue streams. Um, So they literally bought his body for, I think it was $25,000, erected statues, like three statues. They put things up all over the town about Jim Thorpe, and it's now called Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. You can go there and visit it right now. Jim Thorpe never went to Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, or that area, uh, prior to his death, um, which I think is... Just insane. That's insane. That his <laughs> wife was just obviously only in it for the money, um, and literally they took his body and she shipped it to Pennsylvania. And they just
0: put him in a hole. And said, "Hey, this is a city, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania," and acted like. And they don't. They won't take
1: him out. They said something like, "Once a body's in the ground, they can't do anything about it." and His his son was fighting fighting it until 2011 when he passed. Like, I mean, it's it's crazy that that is something that could potentially happen. Um, but kind of, I was reading, cause I, Let's Run genuinely does have like some people who know what they're talking about. Um, so I like was looking at some of their message boards as well about him and just like what his PRs were. Um, supposedly, I guess nothing was like fully automated timing. It was all hand timing, obviously. But it said he ran 10 flat for the 100 yards, 21.8 for the 220, 51.8 for the 440, 157 for the 880. These are all in yards. 435 for the mile. 6'5 in the high jump, 23'6 in the long jump, 11 feet in the pole vault, would we'll not scored too many points there, seven uh, nine in the shot put, 163 feet in the javelin, and 136 feet in the discus, and this dude was doing this on shoes from the friggin' trash, um, I mean, if he had like a modern technology... Forget about it. <laughs> I mean, and you
0: also have to understand, like, not only were the shoes different, but also... There wasn't as much known about training, and also yeah. when it comes to diet, this was you know there wasn't the ridiculous supply chain where you can have any sort of food ever anywhere yeah. in the United States. It was pretty much a diet of of bread, yeah, was, was the main thing, bread, and maybe maybe meat if you knew knew someone with a farm, yeah. So it, it, this guy is honestly ridiculous, and that might have been a lot. So I I want to run back the big points okay. of of Mr. Jim Thorpe, so. Grew up on a, on a reservation, right? um, grew up on a reservation, right? Grew up on a reservation. He was coached by... Uh, what was Pop the Pop Warner. He was coached by Pop Warner. Um, went 11-1 in his first football season. Same year, goes to the Olympics, wins the decathlon and heptathlon, right? Pentathlon. And pentathlon, sorry. And then
1: competed in the high jump and the long jump. And competed in the
0: high jump yeah. and long jump. Won his medals. All right. Started playing MLB. Got his medals stripped away. Played in the MLB and then... You said he switched to the football when he was 41 or played until he was played 41? Played until he was 41. Played until he was 41 and then shot, played basketball yeah, for a little bit. for a little bit
1: until he died and then his body was sold. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty wild. And I think there's there's a lot more like uh, people who have just like pretty incredible stories. Like this dude, he did like so much from like, that, from like 1907 to 19... 19- 13, his life was insane. Um, and there's not, like, a lot of people that are, like, r- being able to compete in professional football, baseball, basketball, and track
0: now. Obviously, I mean, it's a different... People People are better just because they know more about the sports. Yeah. But still, you have to keep in context, like... I it, mean, if he's it, running... It, it's not like he was, like, born now. Like, no. If okay.
1: he's running a 157-800 and he's running a 435-mile... There's, I mean, and he's coordinated. And he's coordinated. <laughs> yeah, like there's, he would be, he would be very dangerous right now. He'd be very dangerous. Yeah. Um, it's pretty crazy. So I hope you guys learned a little bit of stuff. Hope you
0: enjoyed it. Um, and uh, please, please let us know if you like that. Yeah.
1: If if you if you weren't feeling it, let us know. Um, but if you enjoyed it, I think maybe we'll do it every so often. Um, and we can just, I mean, you guys are more than welcome to like let us know who you'd want to hear about and i can do some of the research on it i'd like uh, i was a history major in college and um i don't have access to a lot of like the research things anymore i don't have the i can't go to the library all the libraries are closed because covid and all that sort of stuff but i did i dug quite heavily this today and yesterday on uh on this so i would like to get like super in depth about like everything um i think all that's like super 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 interesting Um, not just kind of the athlete themselves what was going on at the time and all those sort of things So, Um, call the number 646-780-9218 let us know what you're feeling let us know what you want to hear call in questions too because those are still on the table Um, so yeah
0: perfect thank you so much for listening and have a good day and I hope you enjoyed your run Yeah. Sometimes I don't wanna be happy, don't hold it against me, if I'm down just leave me there, let me be sad, yeah, I don't wanna get a out of bed this season,
1: all bad days walk away, leave me bleeding, it's fuck you and you, fuck today, fuck Pain, I've been feeling I've got the devil on my shoulder Heart is getting colder But I keep to myself Anxiety been creeping Staring at the ceiling But I don't need your help cause Sometimes
0: I don't wanna be happy Don't hold it against me If I'm down, just